0: Hello hello how is everybody doing tonight uh, this afternoon rather we are uh, we're ready to go if you are ready to go and uh, Lior is standing by and ready to uh, to do the show this afternoon always it is uh, it's your phone calls that make it that much sweeter so it's a it's a live show it's a live broadcast as you know we would love to get you on air if you want to do so, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898 is the way, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address. We'll bounce back and forth throughout the night, and I want to remind you well as well, at any time you want to, uh, to get a hold of and have correspondence with or just learn a lot more. You can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That would be
1: absolutely perfect, but we always start with the, uh, the week that was. How are you doing, pal? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here. Always exciting. Always uh, a good time to talk about Mm. employment law and workplace rights. There's never a bad time for that. So tonight, uh, this evening, this afternoon, I want you to call with all your questions, whether you're worried about going back to work tomorrow or maybe your boss gave you an ultimatum before the weekend and you want to know what to do about it. Maybe you just lost your job and you need to understand what is it that you're owed? What is it that you can do about it? Can you get your job back? Maybe you're like uh, tens of thousands of people across the country that have been laid off temporarily, and you're, you you just need to understand when you can get back to work. Well, now is the time to call us with those questions. I promise you there's answers. There's help. There are things that you can do about it. I wouldn't be here talking if there was no solutions. If my answer was, oh, sorry, I can't help you, uh, this wouldn't be a, a show that we'd be doing for all these years. So take advantage of the fact that we're here. Call us with those questions. I want to help. But of course, you may not necessarily want to get on air, or you may want to have a more in-depth discussion. That's absolutely fine. That is great, actually. If you want to chat to me privately, we will give you that contact information throughout the show, phone, email, so that you can connect with me. But now that we've started, as John said, the week that was, where I tell you about a couple situations that came across my desk very recently. First thing I'll tell you about, John, I spoke with a gentleman that had worked for the same company for 20 years and just lost his job, except that's not accurate. Uh, Four years ago, so after about 16 years of employment, he, he quit, he left, and he was off for two months, and after two months, he realized he had made a mistake, and he contacted his employer, and he said, I want to come back to work, I shouldn't have quit, my bad, you know, sometimes you think that the grass is greener on the other side, it wasn't. I want to come back to work. They were happy to take him back. He continued working, worked another four years. He just now lost his job because of COVID. His employer said, well, you're a four-year employee, so we're going to pay you severance like a four-year employee. That didn't seem right to him. He thought, well, I've been here for 20 years other than two months. So he contacted me and he wanted to know, does this mean the fact that I was away for two months? Does that mean that I've started my employment again and I'm only a four-year employee? So, John, given the fact that that absence, the the break in employment was so short in comparison to the overall length of employment, means we can disregard it, means we can look at it as as if it never happened. Mm -hmm. That's very common. If you work somewhere for a long period of time and there's a a, a period of time a relatively short period of time where you work somewhere else you quit maybe you were let go that period can be disregarded often for him john this means he's a 20-year employee meaning the severance that he's owed is as a 20-year guy that's a huge difference it would be the difference for him between getting six months severance and 24 months severance So I'm going to help him get the severance that he's owed, but I wanted to remind everyone there that even if you have gaps in employment, those gaps could potentially be disregarded. You may have a lot more seniority than you realize, and that's especially important when it comes to your severance.
0: Again, 604-280-9898, the number this afternoon to grab that phone, get some information, whether it's a similar topic, something about uh, COVID-19, or just a regular employment law question. Again, 604-280-9898. What else uh, else you got going on, pal?
1: Well, I uh, spoke with a lady that uh, worked doing bookkeeping at a dental office for uh, a number of years. She did virtually all her work remotely. And she'd go into the, the clinic whenever she needed to, maybe to get some documents, but pretty much 95% of the time, she was working remotely, and, and she liked it that way. Well, her employer recently said, well, moving forward, we need you to essentially be in the office all the time. So you can maybe be 5% of the time off-site, but 95%, we need you on-site. And she said, well, I can't do this. I have other obligations. I have timing things where that's not going to work for me, so I'm not going to do it uh her employer the uh the dental clinic said well but then you've resigned and here's your record of employment you've decided you don't want to work for us so you've resigned of course she did the right thing which is to call me and she asked the very simple question is this really a resignation did i resign i just wanted to continue working on the basis i've always been working why is this a resignation well it's not a resignation it's not even close to being a resignation her employer did not have the right to change the terms of employment. She absolutely had the right to insist that employment continues on the basis that it always has. And and when her employer said, well, then you're not working here anymore, that's not a resignation, that's a termination. And she's been there for many years. She's going to be owed about 18 months' severance. So I wanted to remind uh, individuals about this, that if your employer insists on these big changes and you say no, that's not you resigning. That's simply you insisting on the terms of employment that you've always had. For her, that's a termination. If your employer lets you go because you're not accepting changes, you haven't resigned, you haven't done anything wrong. That's not something your employer is able to do. Again, reaching out
0: to Lior, by the way, on the other side of the show, 604-283-3123. Just that simple. The email address, again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, as you know, 604-280-9898. It's, uh, it's nice and early. It's only a quarter, not even quarter after four, so feel free to grab a phone and, and talk to us, ask your questions. I want to get to the topic uh, this afternoon of reprisals. What is that? That is getting punished for standing
1: up for your rights, Correct. So here's the thing, you know, it's easy to talk about rights, and it's easy for me to say that you have all these employment law rights. Right. Because the, those rights, if you think about it, John, would have no value if you didn't have the ability to enforce those rights. So the law understands that. So, therefore, what there's a, a concept called reprisal, meaning you cannot actually be punished for trying to enforce your rights. If you are punished, if your employer says, well, I'm not happy with you, for standing up for your rights i'm not happy with you for asking to be paid properly or be treated properly if that's what happens that's a reprisal meaning your employer employer may have to pay fines may have to pay damages may have to potentially reinstate you if in fact they let you go because of that so you should therefore we're going to talk about that have the confidence of knowing that you can stand up for your rights, and you cannot be punished, threatened, fired, or anything if you do that.
0: So in the context of employment law, what makes a reprisal, a reprisal? What is it exactly?
1: So a reprisal really is a situation where you've stood up for your rights or you've asked questions, maybe with respect to overtime, vacation pay, termination pay, uh, what, what have you, with respect to your rights, and your employer says, well, we're not happy with this. Uh, we, you're, you're the squeaky wheel. So we're gonna, you know, we're, we're gonna treat you differently. We're gonna cut your hours or pay. Maybe even we're gonna let you go. So if the employer kind of, you know, becomes a bit of a cowboy and says, well, how dare this person ask me for overtime is an example. That's a reprisal. Can't do that. That's illegal. And you should always understand that. Therefore, you should be feeling comfortable and should be encouraged to stand up for your rights. And even if you're not right, Even if you don't have, you don't have it correct, still you can ask the questions without fear of penalty.
0: And yeah, we are back at 418. Good to have you along for the show again this afternoon. Uh, 604-280-9898. That is the number to call if you have questions about your job being temporarily laid off, maybe it's due to COVID-19, maybe you're missing your work issues at work in that regard or anything else. Feel free to pick up a phone this afternoon. That's uh, that's why we're here for your benefit. Uh, you ask questions, it benefits everybody who may be wondering the same thing as well. 604-280 Nine eight nine eight. In between that, get to uh, more of a conversation about reprisals. We know what it is. It's uh, standing up for your rights, basically, even in the employment law uh, sphere. So, uh, common examples of reprisal. I know you mentioned, you know, asking for overtime that wasn't paid. For instance, would be one, right?
1: Yeah, it's so really a common situation. It was anything to do with your pay, with your compensation. So, overtime, vacation pay, holiday pay, uh, anything to do, you know, minimum wage hours anything like that you oftentimes you may not think that your employer paid you properly wait a second why is my check only uh 400 bucks uh for, for this pay period i worked those extra hours or you didn't pay me my overtime so you can ask those questions knowing that regardless of how your employer feels about that maybe they're happy maybe they're not happy they cannot do anything to you so very important and oftentimes you know overtime is a big issue wait a second why didn't i get paid for all the hours i worked perfectly legitimate question or the statutory holiday we just had a long weekend why didn't i get paid for for the statutory holiday so those are some examples other examples in a different context have to do with workplace harassment so i've said before on the show many times that an employer has the obligation to protect employees from workplace harassment and to take measures to resolve it meaning an employee has the ability to raise these issues you have the ability to raise harassment concerns to your employer, and if you do, your employer cannot penalize you or punish you or let you go in any way. If they try to do that, that would be a reprisal, that would be an illegal act, and there could be significant penalties for them to do that. So when it comes to harassment, when it comes to being mistreated, you should have the confidence to know that you can tell your employer about it, you can tell HR, you can demand that they investigate and take measures, knowing that regardless of the outcome, you cannot be punished for doing that. So that's important. All these things, you can demand answers, you can find out information, you can ask that your employer do something without the fear of penalty.
0: Always like to grab our calls, our top priority again, 604-280-9898. In that regard, We'll get to uh, to Don in Surrey. Hi, Don. How are you? Good afternoon. Oh,
2: good. Good. What's up? Oh, I was saying um, my wife had a job, but she only worked there like three days, and then she hurt her foot at work, and then they, uh, he was off for a day or so, and they told her, it looks like you
1: resigned, eh? Okay. And what did she say? Uh, there's not much she could say. She just, uh, that was it, I guess, eh? Well, it's not because I think the appropriate response is, oh, no, I absolutely not. I haven't resigned. I'll be back as soon as uh, i'm I'm able to re- to return to work Is yeah, there a reason why she didn't do t- that?
2: He tried to tell them that, but they just that basically just uh they uh they were texting back and forth and they told her it looks like you resigned eh mm-hmm.
1: okay well th- th- that's not a resignation obviously and and the problem here for the employer is that not only she, did, she didn't resign, they've effectively terminated her employment, is that this could be a human rights violation potentially depending on the seriousness of the injury. It could also be a violation of, of the laws pertaining to WorkSafe BC. You can't let someone go if they're injured at work. So so there's a lot of things that this employer may have done wrong here. And whether you're, the fact that your wife may have only worked there for three days does not change that. So your wife should contact me. I mean, my concern here is always that it looks like she actually did resign. That's why I would have wanted her to say, what do you mean it looks like I resigned? I haven't resigned. I'll hopefully see you in a few weeks when I'm better. But yeah. that said, I-, I would want to see those text messages to understand exactly what happened because what you've described to me, Don, is completely illegal.
2: Okay, so I should get
1: her to contact you, eh? Yes, please. Okay, that sounds good.
0: Thank you, Don. Appreciate uh, your time this afternoon. And here is exactly how you do that, 604-283-3123. Uh, email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is the uh, the best way to get through. you got lots of time here to, uh, to call through like Don did. See, get some answers. Takes about uh, a moment, 604 nine eight nine eight is the way to uh, to do that. So we're talking about reprisals. And, you know it could be something owing like uh, you didn't get your overtime or maybe you didn't get paid for an entire shift last night where you're supposed to maybe that's happened several times. They've heard you say that now they know it's a reprisal. What do they do?
1: So here's the thing if if you believe that you you've been punished, then we need to have a chat about that because like I, as I said, you have that dome of protection around you. If you're a victim of reprisal, if you've been punished for standing up for your rights. Uh, in many cases, depending on what happened, uh, we can either get the employer to back off or the, to, to pay damages. If they let you go, potentially reinstatement, if that's what you want, it's illegal. And oftentimes a letter from me is all that's needed here. So, But that's kind of the worst case scenario. I don't want people to, to think, well, what what should I do if my employer does something to me? You should always assume that they're not going to break the law, right? That they're not going to do anything to you, so that you should feel empowered to proceed and ask the right questions about whatever it is that the issue uh, that you want to find out about. If the worst case scenario happens and they do pen- penalize you, I got your back. Call me. We'll have a discussion. We'll figure out the solution. But don't assume the worst here. Stand up for your rights. I'm telling you to feel comfortable and confident to do that. And and your employer, in the vast majority of cases, will understand that it's illegal for them to do anything to you. I
0: want to go back and mention something you kind of slipped in there uh, in the first segment when we start talking about reprisals, and that is, you know, you you, you uh, can can an employee be punished? Now they they've. they've said something's wrong or they feel something's been uh, erroneous and it turns out that employee was wrong the whole time
1: yeah so maybe you're were, you're were upset that you didn't get paid uh, overtime and you you go to the employer and say come on this is ridiculous so i didn't get paid my overtime i need you to take care of this right away and your employer goes back and checks and there is no they actually did pay you. you you were wrong you you miscalculated so it's easy to think well at that point the employer is going to be upset that i demanded overtime when i wasn't owed overtime and they'll punish me. No, that they cannot do, even if you're wrong. Even if it turns out that your demands or your belief as to what you wrote was not correct, or you couldn't prove it, whatever it is, the employer still cannot punish you. Just by virtue of you asking the right question, just by virtue of you demanding you know what what you believe is legally yours, you are still protected. So the laws surrounding reprisals are, are the same. So don't feel like you have to get it right. Even if you ultimately get it wrong, as long as you're not doing it in bad faith, there's nothing you need to worry about. You are protected.
0: The number here now this afternoon at uh, 425. Lots of time for you to make that call. 604-280-9898. That is the number, help at c. So now you're in the space where, uh, you know, you've, you've maybe gone down that road, you've made a complaint, or you feel that you've been punished for standing up to your legal rights, something like that. Uh and you may even talk to the boss. Not happening. Now what do you do?
1: Well, I, I mean first of all I, I'd always want there to be some sort of a written record, right? Of the discussions no that you've had with the boss. Uh so if if you do speak to your boss about your overtime or your vacation pay, it, it it's okay obviously to go speak to him. But follow up with an email or a text message, you know, boss, uh, confirming that we talked today that when I told you that uh, I'm owed overtime, whatever it is, put that in writing. Let's have that written record so that later on, if we need to use it, we can show it and the employer can't deny that you've had that discussion with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Document it. If if the worst happens, which is you'll get penalized or punished in any way for raising that issue, then call me. It's fine. We'll deal with that We'll get you either compensation or we'll get your employer to back off. We'll get you reinstated. We'll do whatever it is that we need to do about it. But documenting is always important. Remember, there's a theme when it comes to your rights, uh, You know, whether it's reprisals or anything else, and that is to document things. The written word is always so, so powerful. You never really want to get into a, a he said, she said dispute with your employer if you can avoid it. So sending an email, sending a text message, so easy and so important.
0: I want to flip it over to a quick email before we get to some more phone calls. We're going to start a a non-competition discussion as well. Uh, Danielle says, Lior, I quit my job because my employer owed me $4,000 in holiday pay and vacation pay. He refused to pay. I asked for payment many times, and he always promised that he would pay,
1: but he never did. Is there something that I can do to get what he owes me? So this is interesting. This is one of those cases where someone's asking me, obviously, a, an important and legitimate question, but yep. there's actually a bigger issue here than the $4,000. So, so let me explain. First of all, yes, if your employer owes you money, if your employer owes her money, yeah, they'll have to pay it. We can go to the Ministry of Labor. We can deal with that other means. If she's owed overtime or vacation pay or whatever it is, the employer's going to have to pay, and it's completely inappropriate for the employer to refuse. But the bigger issue here is this. The fact that the employer refused to pay when they should have again and again is a breach of the terms of employment. Therefore, even though she quit because of this, the law looks at it as a termination. She quit because her employer was not paying her. That is not a resignation. That's a termination. That's a constructive dismissal. So not only is she owed the $4,000, she's owed severance. And depending on how many years she's been there, she could easily be owed up to 24 months pay. That could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So remember, if you're quitting because your employer is not paying you, your employer is not paying you overtime, your vacation pay, they owe you money. If that's why you leave, the law would look at that as a termination, and now you're owed your severance as well.
0: Yeah, and welcome back. The day is still young. It's 4:33 uh, here on the Employment Law Show. You bet, six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. That is the way to get your questions answered on air. And Graham, thank you so much for standing by. Good afternoon. How are you?
2: Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it excellent. Feels good what's to be talking to you guys on the radio. You know, like it's yeah. a first-time thing, but
0: good man. You know? Love having you here. What's uh, what's your question?
2: Okay, well, I've been working for this company. But it's not like a real company. It's like a, you know, like a mom pop company. Yeah. Looking after a couple of houses and that. And uh, mostly getting paid cash, but a little bit of checks here and there. And uh, uh, Buddy owes me some money, and I rent a property secondhand from, uh, you know, he pays the rent, but he's not paying the rent now because he's here's because I'm fired, right? But he owes me money, so I gotta tell the landowners the property that no, like he's gotta pay because he owes me money, right? So, uh, do I? The the amount's not like you know it's not enough to uh, go to small claims court, right?
1: Well, how long have you worked there for, Graham?
2: I've known this guy for like my son's 13 years, so I'm probably 18 years.
1: So you, you've worked with him for 18 years?
2: Yeah. Not and, like consistently, yeah. but like uh, at least, you know, maybe 20, 40 hours a week here and there when we did a lot of drainage jobs.
1: You and know, and uh, when when were you let go?
2: Uh, well, told me last week, because I told him I had Friday, I want Friday off, because it's my girlfriend's birthday. And then uh, Wednesday and Thursday I had problems with my telephone, so I has to take those two days off, so you know
1: so the yeah, real that. issue here is the fact that you know if you work there for a bunch of time as as you have, then yeah. he owes you severance, and yeah well, you
2: know, yeah, wrongful dismissal right
1: well, wrongful dismissal exactly is a situation when you're let go without severance, so depending you owes you, know, if me you... money. Exactly, but you said the the amount of money is small. Severance could potentially be more than almost a thousand bucks. Well, the severance could be more than the years' pay. It could even be as much as eighteen months' pay. What were you earning on average a year?
2: Well, it was cash money, and I was doing jobs for this, and he was giving me jobs here and there, and it was like so. You know, maybe five hundred a week.
1: Okay. Well, if, you know, 500, uh, a week, that's roughly 25,000 bucks, uh, a year. So, you know, it's all of a sudden a heck of a lot more than a thousand bucks, right? So the good news is that's not going to be difficult to, to resolve. Unless you did something awful, he's got to pay you that severance. So what I want you to do, uh, Graham, is I want you to reach out to me off air. We'll connect and, and I'll help you get that severance. You could, depending again, I want to understand exactly the, the, the job and the length of employment but you could yeah. easily be owed more than a year's pay.
2: Should I write him a letter and tell him what my intentions are, or should I just?
1: No. No, You need. Nope. we need to have a chat and let us do our job to make sure that you get what you're owed.
2: Yeah, but he's got a son, he's a target count, and He's a good guy. I work for him sometimes, do some work on his house, like house maintenance, right? So he might just pay me, this, you know.
1: Well, listen, I mean, if but we need to first assess how much you're owed because you don't even know what to ask. So let's have yeah, that no. chat so we can assess what you're owed because I, I still am not clear on the length of employment. And once we do that, yeah, if you want to approach him yourself, sure. But something tells me he's not going to necessarily understand that he owes you potentially a year's pay or even up to 18 months pay. But uh, let's start with that discussion first.
0: Gray, appreciate the call. Going to let you go, but I'm going to give you the number to reach out to Lior. Please use it and make that phone call. you got to get this straightened out. 604 283 3123 would be that number. 604 283 3123. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you'd rather email, that'd be uh, that'd be fine as well. And for the remainder of the show, as you know, it's uh, what, 438? you got lots of time. 604 280 9898. Do like Gray and make that call. and uh, and get some answers. wanted to flip over to uh, non-competition obligations. We talk about non-competes or non-competition obligations. What
1: what do we mean exactly? So a non-competition obligation, let's start with that. A non-competition obligation, a lot of people have heard about it, of course, is a term in an employment agreement that says that if you ever leave your employer, whether it is you quit or they let you go, you cannot go and work for a competitor. Usually, that would include for a time period, six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it is, and also a geographical area. So you can't work for a competitor anywhere in BC or anywhere in uh, Canada or in the world. So you would have a time and and a geographical area. So the problem with a non-compete, of course, is that it can make it very difficult for you to find another job. And, And because of that, that could be a huge, huge problem for you. So let me share a secret here, and many people don't necessarily know this, but for most people, the vast majority of people, a non-compete, a non-competition obligation is not enforceable. Okay, Our courts have said that we don't like terms that prevent you from earning a living, and because of that, our courts have said we're not going to enforce non-competition obligations. That's true for most people. Now, for some people, very senior individuals, that could be enforceable if you're the vice president or the president, you know, what we call fiduciaries, for you that may be, but for 95% of people, that's not enforceable. You are legally allowed to work wherever you want, but keep in mind that may not be good enough because if your former employer tries to enforce it, that could be a problem. So we don't just ignore and disregard non-competition obligations.
0: Yeah, you mentioned disregarding them, so how often uh, do employment agreements contain these non-compete obligations in writing, of course?
1: You know, I think they're very common, certainly these days. Uh, Employers use them more and more, and uh, so you may have an entry-level position, not necessarily a senior position, and still have a non-compete. Now, that's kind of silly for an employer to do that, but employers often do that. So you may have a situation, let's say you were working, I don't know, let's say in a bank use that in an entry level position in a bank and you sign a non-compete that says that if you were to leave you can't work for a competitor which means any other bank so wait a second so are you telling me now i have to i can't work for a year in the banking industry that sounds pretty extreme well it is which is why our courts have said that we're not going to enforce it it's not reasonable we don't want you to have a problem finding another job and a problem supporting your family but you still have to be be clear as to whether your former employer will try to enforce it well that they take legal action against you because that's not a pleasant thing to do uh, or to or situation to be in but legally it's not enforceable
0: again to reach out to 604-280-9898 would be the way got a couple of minutes before we take one final break here so let's ask the most important question are non-competition obligations
1: actually enforceable what kind of weight do they have they don't have any weight uh, for most people, right. but the real issue here is this. It doesn't really matter if it's enforceable. What matters is, will your former employer try to enforce it? And here's what I mean by that. Uh, your former employer may say, well, wait a second. I'm upset that John works for a competitor, so I'm going to sue him. And that could be a very miserable experience. Now, you will win that loss, right, because it's not enforceable. But it could still cost you a lot of money. It could still be a a, a significant heartache for you, and it could be very difficult to deal with. So you may say, well, wait a second. Why would my old employer sue me for something that's not enforceable? Well, they may sue you to send a message to the other employees. They may sue you because they want to send a message to those employees that, hey, this is what happens if you leave and go work for another competitor. So the best advice I can give you is you can't just disregard it. You have to have a discussion with your employer and and see if they're okay with you working for a competitor if you disregard it even though strictly speaking you're allowed to you may find yourself in the legal dispute that you don't want to be in
0: and hey, welcome back to the show still have some time it is uh 4 45 so there you go 604-280-9898 want to remind you as well anytime the show is not on air and something piques your interest about employment laws. Oh, Lior's not on air right now. That's okay. You can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's free. It's anonymous. Everything you would need to know. Even before a phone call is there, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You want to find out how much severance you would be owed or are owed if you're let go? No problem. severance pay calculator is wrapped up into that website as well. So you can check it out. So you got to tell me there's got to be uh, circumstances when a
1: non-compete is actually enforceable, No. So it may be enforceable for very senior individuals where if they work for a competitor, it could be very problematic for their former employers. So your VPs, your uh, directors of finance, your presidents, those individuals, uh, the law says, well, wait a second. If you sign a non-compete, we're going to hold you to it because we think that your former employer will suffer if you decide to go and work for a competitor. So in those situations, yeah, it could be enforceable. If you're someone that you have such a very unique and special role that if you were to go work for a competitor, it's gonna gonna really hurt your former employer, yes, it's likely, or more likely, I should say, that the non-compete would be enforceable. But those individuals are in the absolute minority. For most people, the non-compete is not enforceable. The vast majority of us can work for somewhere else Even if we sign a non-compete for a year or two years, even if we did that, we can still work somewhere else, understanding, of course, that our former employer may not like us and may decide to take legal action against us anyway, just to make a point. But again, legally, we're able to do it.
0: So if you're if you're working for a a company now, you've heard this show. You're figuring, okay, I get it now. Apparently, non-competes. I don't really have too much to worry about because chances are it's not going to be enforceable.
1: And I want to leave and join another company. Uh, What do I do? So first of all, we also want to be mindful of the non-competes cousin, which is the Mm non-solicitation. So a non-solicitation obligation simply says that you cannot uh, go after your former employer's clients and customers if you leave so unlike a non-compete a non-solicitation is enforceable so if you sign a non-solicitation in most cases yes you're not going to be able to solicit to go to former customers and say hey guess what i now work over here and i want your business if you do that and you signed a non-solicitation you would be in breach of it and that would be an illegal thing to do So right off the bat, be mindful. Did I sign a non-solicitation? If you did and you go work somewhere else, you have to be careful. Don't solicit business. It's okay to accept business if the customer comes to you, but you shouldn't be knocking on the customer's door. Now, with respect to a non-compete, if you did sign one, even though it may not be enforceable, have a discussion with your former employer. Okay? Speak to them about it. Tell them, listen, I'm not going to go after your customers. I'm not going to reveal your confidential information, but I want to work there without you giving me a hard time. Most employers, when they realize you're not going to go out of your way to hurt them, will be okay with it. If they're still not, you you are taking a risk. You should always tell the new company you work for that you signed a non-compete. They should know that. If you don't tell them and later on it turns out that you did sign one, you didn't tell them, that could be a problem. They may have grounds to let you go at that point. So be honest with the new company, be honest with the old company, and try to work a solution. That's the best advice I can give you. If you don't, that's an invitation for legal proceedings at some point.
0: The number, 604-280-9898. That's a call in for the remaining time here on the show live and ask your, uh, your questions. You can do that, 604-280-9898. So if someone's starting a new job, say, and they, they look through their employment agreement because they're smart, they listen to you, and they read it from top to bottom, and, oh, look, there's a non-compete in there. Is there a chance they can get that written out of there?
1: Ah, not really. Uh, that's going to be a All tough right. thing to do. So there's many things you can negotiate an employment agreement, many things. Non-competes tend to be a touchy subject for the employer. So look at it this way. Uh, my, I just got offered a new job. Uh, you know, I'm excited about it. I see there's a non-compete. So I go to my uh, new-to-be boss and say, hey, boss, uh, I, I want to get rid of this non-compete. Well, the first thing that the boss is going to think, well, wait a second, why do you care about it? Uh, you, because are you planning on coming in here, learning some stuff, and then going to work for a competitor or maybe starting your own business? The moment you raise that as an issue, it's going to, be, it's going to cause some, some concern. It's going to uh, you know, raise some flags, red flags with your uh, employer. So I'm not keen on it. If yeah. you think you can do that without raising those red flags, fine. Uh, the better approach would be understand whether or not you can live with it. My uh, rules that I live by is that if you sign it, you have to be prepared to live with it. And if you can't live with it, if you can't live with the non-compete, then maybe it's something you don't sign and you look for something else or, or uh, you know, you're taking a big risk. I, I found that in most cases, John, an employer where that's approached about a non-compete is not going to be looking too fondly at the idea of removing it.
0: Right. So now from the company's angle, what can that company do to protect itself from losing employees to uh, to competitors, for that matter?
1: So I think the best thing companies can do is use very strong non-solicitation and confidentiality obligations. Because non compete obligations are usually not enforceable, I don't know that they do that much uh, in, or they provide that much value. So have a non-solicitation. Say, have a term in there that says that if you leave us, you can't go after our clients or customers. You also can't go after our employees. You can't go after our suppliers. Have that term in there. Okay, very important to do that. Also have a strong term with respect to confidentiality. So a term that says that if you ever leave us you can't reveal anything that you've learned here you can't reveal any confidential information anything that's not in the public domain you gotta keep uh, confidential forever and ever so use those now if you are hiring a senior individual then absolutely use a non-compete but even with that you can't overreach if you have someone sign a non-compete that says you can't work anywhere uh that's competitive in north america for two years that's never going to be enforceable that's overreaching yeah. so be reasonable for 6 months you know within you know uh, the, uh, the city or within the province tops so the more reasonable you are with a non compete the more likely it is to ultimately be enforceable but every employer should have a non solicit every employer should have a confidentiality obligation uh, and for employers those are absolute key john Get
0: to some emails here in our uh, remaining few minutes. Uh, we're still going. Natalie's up next. Is hey, Leora, I've been on a disability leave for six months. My employer is putting pressure on me to return to work, and that they can't keep my job any longer. I'm afraid that if I don't return, I won't
1: have a job to go to. Do you have any advice for me? I do, and the advice is don't worry about it, not now at least. What I mean by that is when you're off on a disability leave, Natalie, you're, the, the, what you need to do Is you need to do whatever you can to get better and healthy so that you're in a position to return back to work your employer's ability to take you back can only be determined at the time you're ready to come back to work not before they're allowed to run their business in the meantime but they also have the legal obligation when you're ready to come back to work to try to take you back to make all efforts to bring you back They can't say, well, too bad, it's been too long. No, they cannot do that. If there is the possibility of taking you back, they have to do it. Only if they've tried to take you back and it's impossible are they allowed to let you go with severance. But do not worry about that right now and certainly do not do anything contrary to your doctor's orders. If your doctor says you need to be off, make sure your employer knows that. Make sure you provide your employer with that doctor's note and they can't do anything to you And when you're ready to come back to work, if they don't take you back or they don't try or they don't want to, call me at that point. But let's only worry about that at the time you're ready to come back.
0: Melissa's uh, written an email here. It's one of our favorite topics. She says, I just found out that the chiropractor I work for is about to retire and close his practice in six months. I asked about severance and he had no idea what I was talking about. I've worked for him as a receptionist for 16 years. Am I owed anything?
1: Well, gee, yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm also not surprised that you, to get an email like that because I often see that in, in doctor's offices, and listen, I, I have good friends that are doctors and chiropractors and dentists and name, you name it, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily good when, under, when it comes to understanding employment law. So let's be clear here. Uh, she is owed severance. She, after 16 years, she could potentially be owed 18 months of severance. Now, if she received six months notice that she's out of a job because uh, the doctor is retiring, that six months does count towards her severance, meaning instead of 18 months, she's going to be owed 18 minus six months for a total of 12 months. So absolutely, she is owed severance at the end once her employment is actually terminated. So same with you. You know, I, I'm going to pick on doctors here just because this happens often. If your doctor lets you go or your doctor you work for or uh, they, they're retiring, they're closing shop, remember, yes, you are owed severance. And by the way, to find out how much severance you're owed, whether you work for a one person or you work for a major company with thousands and thousands of employees, easy. You just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You'll see our handy severance calculator tool there. You can find out in seconds for free and anonymously what is it that you're owed. First place you go to if you lost your job, if you find out that you're about to lose your job, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca.
0: We got a slide in about a minute, but uh, quite often what happens at those places is another doctor, because the real estate's so prime, they come in and open up the practice and say, "Hey, you're a." darn good reception you've been here forever. You want a job? Does she have to take it?
1: She doesn't have to take it, but if she doesn't take it, unless she has a good reason, she's not going to be owed her full severance, only a part of her severance. If she's not offered a job, she's owed severance. Keep in mind, though, if she does take a job with the new doctor that comes in, they inherit her service, meaning yes. later on, if they let her go, now she gets full severance based on her total years of service, so you don't lose your service, just because you started working with the buyer of the practice.
0: Excellent stuff again tonight. If uh, anything confused you if you want to ask a question now that we're done, no problem. There's a couple of different ways you could do that. 604-283-3123 to reach out to Lior and his team. The email address we always use, you just heard it, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as we just mentioned, the one place, the first place you go is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show on CKNW.